What a great song to end our worship time on and move into God's Word. I'd ask you to uh, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to be looking at verses 8 to 14 this morning. All right, I'd like to read this passage for us, and let's continue our worship of God as we listen to his word. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, would you shine the light of the word on us? Would you open our eyes to see its truth? Would you open our ears to hear what you want to say to us? And would you open our hearts and work in our will to want to do those things that are pleasing to you? We need you. Every day we need you. And I thank you for this time that we have that we can gather in your presence today to listen to your word. Amen. It is amazing how much we learn by observation. If you think about that, whether it's watching people at work or growing up in your home or family, all of the things that we learn simply by observing others. You know, last week, uh, Josh McDowell was sharing about his relationship with his father, which was not a good one. His father was an alcoholic and abusive, and all of the things that uh, happened in that home were so difficult for him as a young boy growing up in that environment. And by the grace of God, God has done an amazing work in his life and changed him and is using him tremendously as a witness for Christ. But Josh said both in that talk and afterwards he said to us, he said, you know, there's not a day that goes by where I am not affected by the fact that my dad was an alcoholic. It still affects him today. It's still something that he thinks about. And I think, you know, probably for all of us, what we do when we hear a talk like that on relationships is we think about our own relationship with our father or mother. We think about our relationship with our kids, you know, and we, we put ourselves in that situation. I was doing that this week, and I was thinking about my dad. And I thought it would be hard for me to overstate the things that I learned from my dad. I mean, my dad uh, was a farmer, and one of the things that, you, that happens when you grow up on a farm is you just spend a lot of time together, all day. I mean, you're working together, and you are talking, and my dad would, from the time I was a young boy, would take me around with him when he went to be with other farmers, or he was meeting with neighbors, or he's working on business things, or getting machinery, or whatever he was doing. I was with him, and I just watched him. I saw how he talked, I saw how he related to people, I saw his, you know, uh, communication, I saw his work ethic, all of those things. And he was a quiet man by nature, so I don't, it's not as much what he said that sticks out to me, although there are some of those statements that really do, but it was more the way that he lived. For example, what I saw in my father 
was qualities like honesty and faithfulness and hard work. Um, I remember my dad would take me with, for example, when he was uh, getting machinery and maybe he was going to purchase new machinery for the farm and i just watch him on how he did that and negotiated a deal or work through those details. Buying a car, same thing. And then came the time when I was older and I was going to buy my first car. He said, you know, son, you've watched me. And today, I just want you to go in. I'm going to be with you, you know, and you go in, and I want you to negotiate that deal and purchase your car. And, and he just let me do it. And then, you know, he was there if I really messed up on something. But, um, you know, he, he was there, and then he'd talk about it with me afterwards. Or when it came to renting land and working out rental agreements and all those things, my dad mentored me. And one of the things he said to me is he said, you know, a man's word is his bond. If you can't trust a man's word, what can you trust? I saw him deal with adversity, crop failures, machinery breakdowns, hailstorms. I remember a year when a hailstorm wiped out the entire crop, midsummer, you know, one of those storms that rolled through. And it was in a time when at that point, um, a lot of farmers didn't have insurance and we didn't have crop insurance. And what do you do when your whole year's Income is wiped out by a storm. I mean, I think about that now and I go, you know, I mean, I'm just a kid and I'm watching my dad go through that. But that's one thing. But to think about that as an adult when you think of your whole income. My oldest sister said it was the only time she saw dad cry was when that whole crop was wiped out. And you, you get up and you go to work again. You get another job if you need to. You do what you need to do. You plant what you can. You go back to work. You use your savings. You persevere. And I saw how dad dealt with adversity in his life. I saw him deal with family problems when we had those in our family. And I saw his steadiness and consistency. And I will say this too, you know, just my dad wasn't perfect. Communication wasn't his strength. Sometimes he said some things that, to me that I wish he hadn't. And I said, you know, I, I never want to say this to my kids. There were times when my dad would say to me when I had messed up on something as a young kid that you should have known better. And there were times when really I didn't know better. I was still a kid learning. And I, I didn't like that said because it was just an honest mistake that I had made. And so I kind of tucked that away in my head and I said, you know, I never want to say that to my children that you should have known better when they really didn't know better. They were just kids. But what I did see in my dad was his consistency. I saw his love for God, reading the Bible and praying, going to church, serving in the church. I saw his generosity. He loved to give, and he passed that on to his children. And most of all, the greatest blessing he ever gave me was his affirmation for me to go into ministry. I mean, he wanted me to farm. He would have loved that if I had taken over. But he said to me, Rick, if, you know, anyone can farm, and if God's called you into ministry, that's the greatest thing that you can do. And he gave me his blessing. Now, I would never have seen those qualities in my dad if I hadn't spent time with him every day. And I didn't learn those things in a day or two or a weekend seminar. I learned it over years of living and walking and working together. Now, why do I say that? Why do I share this? 
Well, in the scriptures, and in particular in this section that we've been in in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we are to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. That's our calling. We are called to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. But how do we do that since we can't see God? I mean, how do we imitate him when we can't see him? Well, we go to the scriptures, we read about God and his word, and we find out what he is like and his character, his attributes. Uh, We look at the example of Jesus. That's even better in one sense to see God in human flesh and how he related to people, his compassion, his love, his justice, his truth. We see how he lived his life as God in human flesh. But I would suggest that we also see and learn what it means to imitate God through the examples of godly men and women around us. And if you had parents who modeled that for you, you are indeed blessed. But it is through the church, it's through the example of other godly individuals that we learn to imitate God. I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Or some translations say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. That's exactly what the scripture is calling us to do here. And it's exactly what we need. Last week when Josh was talking about the importance of relationships, he stressed how much we need the church, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. He did everything necessary for our salvation. But he's put us into a body of believers for a reason, because it is through one another that we learn what it means to walk with God. Now, I want to say this as just a little bit of an aside, that I know that Josh said some things last week that, opened some wounds and stirred some people up. I mean, maybe, just like Josh, you grew up in a family where you hated your father or your mother because there was abuse there. And you still have issues of forgiveness to work through and things in your life. Get that out. I mean, we want to help you. We want to help you to open that wound, if you will, so that there can be healing And there can be forgiveness and reconciliation, if possible, by the grace of God. Or maybe you are a single mom, and Josh was talking about the importance of a father in a home, and all of that is true, but you are important too, and I hope you heard that message. I mean, Josh was saying that, how important it is that as single parents, we do all that we can to point our kids to Christ as well. But we also need the body of Christ. We need godly men and women who will model what it means to be a godly father or husband or a godly wife or mother. And maybe you're a parent and you heard Josh talk and you felt like you hadn't done all that you wished you had done for your kids. And I want to say that there is grace and there is mercy and there is forgiveness and you can begin today to make changes None of us are perfect. We all have areas where we have struggled, and there is hope, and there is healing. There is grace at the cross of Jesus Christ. And I love to hear the stories in your life, and we've shared some of those through the years of amazing things that God has done to overcome those difficulties in your past. And you are who you are by the grace of God today.
So trust God. Work through the pain, hold on to Christ, and hold on to the church. Be imitators of God in purity and in love. Well, there are three points that I want to bring out from this text this morning. Number one, we are to walk in the light with Christ, and we see that in verse 8. Paul begins by telling us, you once were darkness. You once were darkness. And what he says there is it's not that you were just in the dark. I mean, that was true, that before we came to know Christ, we were living and walking in the dark. But he's saying, you and I, we were darkness. We were spiritually dead, separated from God. We were part of that company of humanity that is living in rebellion against God. But now you are light in the Lord. It's not only, again, that God has taken us and transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, but he says, now you are light. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. It is through you that he wants to make himself known, and he wants you and I to be that witness for Christ in our world. And everywhere we go, the light of Christ shines through us, through you who know him as your Savior and Lord. And I sometimes think about that, and I go, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if you could see that light, you know, in everybody who is a true believer, and you just, there's no doubt about who's a believer and who's not. You just, there's just a light, and you just could see that visibly. You know, I thought about that yesterday when Pastor Jason was speaking and gives an invitation to trust Christ. Wouldn't it be cool if just you could look around the room and all over are these lights that are going on as people come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord. We can't see it in that visible sense of a light, a literal light, but you know we do see that in people when they come to know Christ. I've seen it, and I hope that you have too, when someone has accepted Christ and there is just a joy that comes on their face. And you see the burden lifted, and you just see this this relief as the weight of their sin is taken off and laid at the cross and you see the, the light goes on when they understand God's word and they get it, they understand the gospel and that we're saved by grace. And I've also seen the other side too. When you just look in a person's face and they don't get it and they don't want to know Christ, and there is darkness, there is still this blindness to spiritual things, and you can see it in the way that they live or hear it in the words that they say. There is a difference in those who have come to know Christ. You are light. Now live as children of light. Paul is urging us here to to walk in that light of Christ every single day, the word live in Greek is the word peripateo. It means to walk. It's, it's a rich word that describes this way that we are to live the Christian life in fellowship with God. You can think of it walking as something that's steady, it's consistent, it's progressive. You can talk while you're walking. You can walk with God and have fellowship with him all through your life. And everywhere that you go, God is with you. The Bible uses this term many times. It says that we are to walk in love. We are to walk in wisdom. 
We are to walk in truth. We are to walk in honesty. We are to walk in good works. We are to walk in faith. Steady, consistent, growing in our relationship with Christ. In the Old Testament, we find, too, this same metaphor that we are to walk in the light of God's word. In Psalm 119, verses 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is intended to show us how to live so that we can avoid sin and temptation in our life. And it's really a pretty easy metaphor to understand, isn't it? I mean, what happens if we walk in the dark? You know, I was thinking back how a few months ago, middle of the night, I, I woke up, I had to use the bathroom, and so, you know, I got up from our bed, and uh, at the foot of our bed, we have this chest that's there that's on wheels. It's something that we put, like, the comforter on or other pillows, you know. And so I get up, go to the bathroom, I get up, and I go around the, the chest, and I walk into the bathroom, and when I come back out, I misjudged where it is. It's dark, you know, and I just misjudge where it is, and I caught my left foot on it, and I hit it hard. I mean, I thought I had broken my toe, and I'm, I'm there, I'm trying not to wake Gail up, and I'm like in pain, you know, and I'm just trying to get back, to bed, and I get back into bed, and my toe's just throbbing like this, and I'm going, oh boy, what did I do? Well, you know, the interesting thing about that chest is I have never stubbed my toe on it in the daylight. I... I've never walked into it and just kicked it really hard in the daytime because I can see it. And I walk around it. And, and it's no problem. And that's the way God's word is intended to be for us, to be this light that shows us the sin we are to avoid, the temptations that we are to avoid, the dangers that are out there. When we walk in the light with Christ, it's blessing. It's joy, it's fruitfulness, it's love, it's all of those things that are so good in life. So Paul goes on to say that we are to find out what pleases the Lord and then do it. He says in verses 9 and 10, find out what pleases the Lord. And he gives us some examples of that when he says that the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Light is known by its effects. And he uses these three words, and I like to define them. It helps me to think about them more clearly. And he says one of the effects of light is goodness. Goodness. And goodness is moral excellence with generosity. A good person, a good Christian is someone who loves people, who cares about them, who is willing to share of his own life and his own resources or to help others in needs. He does what is good and honorable and helpful for other people. It's what you did this week when you came around Brad and Leanne and their family and you just wanted to be there and pray for them. Or it's what people did when they just were moved and they wanted to give these beautiful flowers to say, we love you, we care about you. It's goodness, moral excellence with generosity the word righteousness means giving all their due. It is fairness and justice. It's treating others the way that you would want to be treated in that kind of respectful, honorable relationship. And truth, truth is more than just words or more than just knowledge. Truth also refers to being genuine, 
and honest in our relationships with God and with one another. It's not only truth in what is said, we are to speak the truth in love, but we are also to live it and show it in the way that we act. And what we see in this passage is how light counteracts the darkness. If you think of the sins that Paul mentioned in chapter 4 and into 5, malice is replaced by goodness. Instead of wishing someone ill will, we wish them good. Injustice is replaced with righteousness, justice, and fairness. And falsehood, that's replaced with truth. That's what it means to walk in the light. We're turning away from sin and from these things that are part of the darkness. And instead in our life, by the Holy Spirit, these qualities are produced in us. So how do we find out what pleases the Lord? Well, we have to go to the Word of God. We read it here to understand it. But we also do see it in the examples of those who love the Lord. I think of this story that Kevin Miller told about his mother. He said, when I was in junior high school, we had a neighbor that lived two doors down from us. He was an elderly man. He had lost his wife. And as he was getting older in life, he was getting more frail. And then he got a horrible case of shingles. And it was so painful for him. And one day, Kevin said, my mom was having her devotional time, and she just heard God say to her, felt like, feed the hungry, feed the hungry. And she's thinking about, well, Lord, what do you mean? Or how do you want me to do that? Or who do you mean? And it was like the Lord brought to mind this man down the street, two doors, whose name was Beard. And so she decided that night that she was going to prepare a meal for him. So she took like a cardboard box cover as her tray, and she had a dinner, made an extra portion. She had a salad and dessert, and then she gave that to Kevin to walk it down the street and said, would you carry this down to beer? She did that not only one day, but she continued that, and she did that for three years until Beard went into a nursing home. And Kevin said, I remember days when I would bring that down to him, knock on his door and bring this meal, you know, and he would just smile. He knew it was going to be the best meal of the day. And it, it was, I mean, so many things were going on there. Kevin saw in the example of his mother generosity, kindness. He saw what it means to feed the hungry and what it means to have that personal relationship. It wasn't just bringing food. It was having a connection with that person who was a neighbor, a friend, too. That's how we learn. We learn from one another. And we all have different gifts. And we're all going to see different needs. And that's why sometimes when circumstances come up, you know, the person who has a gift of serving will say, how can I help? The person who has a gift of leadership might say, you know, well, hey, we could organize a group to do this or I could help. The person who has a gift of giving says, hey, do you have any needs here we could assist with? And, you know, they come along and everybody's different. But that's how the body of Christ works. And you can think of Josh who said when he came to know Christ and then he got married later in life, he didn't know how to be a Christian father or husband. And he mentioned those five, six men that mentored him and were examples so that he might learn how do you do this as a dad, as a husband. And maybe that's you. 
Maybe you've come to know Christ and there are areas in your life where you kind of struggle with that. How do I do this? We need one another. We need to make those connections and we are here to help you in the areas of marriage and parenting, the Christian life, dealing with sin, overcoming addictions, whatever it may be. And thirdly, Paul says, have no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness. We see that in verses 11 to 14. And in this section, Paul does not name those sins again that he's already touched on. For example, in chapter 4, verse 31, he said we should put aside all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. He tells us in chapter 5, verse 3, that there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or greed among us. Those are improper for God's holy people. It's all there. And he says, have nothing to do with it. Rather, expose them. And when he says expose them, it's not just by our words or by talking about it or giving a warning. It's by our life as well that we should live a life of peace and joy and contentment and honesty and integrity that shines in this world. And there are examples when your witness for Christ will do that at work or it may be doing that with friends or kids that you know or hanging out with where your faithfulness and your commitment to Christ is going to speak volumes even more than your words. Where Paul goes on to say it is shameful even to talk about what the disobedient do in secret. He's giving us a warning there, and there is a fine line here when it comes to talking about sin. Now, I'll use this as an example. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like to talk a lot about pornography because I don't like to think about pornography. I'd rather think about Jesus Christ. I mean, and I think about that with other areas of sin. I mean, if you're a parent and you're talking to your kids or you're a student ministry leader and you're talking with students, I mean, there are things we've got to talk about. We've got to talk about things like suicide because we don't want anyone to do that. We've got to talk about, you know, uh, texting or the Internet or sexting or all those kind of things that are out there that can be dangers and temptations. But there's a fine line there that you never want to talk about it so much that, you know, you're planting seeds or that people start to think about that more than they should. Don't dwell on it. Don't focus on it. Focus on Jesus Christ. Don't make much of sin. Make much of Jesus Christ. Because it's the love of Christ and it's lifting him up and it's understanding his beauty, his grace, his mercy, his love for you that really helps us to overcome sin. The more we focus on Jesus, by far the better off we will be. Love him. Get to know him. Walk with him. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Instead, walk in the life with Jesus Christ. Paul David Tripp is a Christian counselor, and he was sharing this story about a situation that came up in his own family. And it concerned his son, who is now a teenager, kind of starting to find his way in the world. 
And one night his son said that he was going to go over to his friend's house, you know, and he was just going to hang out there and he'd be back at such and such time. And his dad believed him. He had always trusted him, had no reason to doubt him. But on this occasion, his son was lying. And instead of going to his friend's house, he, was, he went somewhere else doing what he shouldn't have been doing. And as often happens, the word gets out. And I think about that as Christian parents. Have you ever prayed that for your kids, that there would be no secrets and that things would be made known? And sometimes your kids wonder, how do you know this? <laughs> well, the word came back is actually this son's friend felt guilty about covering up for him, and he told his dad. So the next day, Paul said to his son, he said that you have lived your life in the light. And you have made good choices, and you have been an easy son to parent, but this weekend you took a step toward the darkness. You can live in the darkness if you want. You can learn to lie and deceive. You can use your friends as your cover. You can step over God's boundaries, or you can determine to live in God's light. And I am pleading with you, don't live in the darkness. Live in the light. And as I turned to walk away, Paul said, I heard his voice from behind me saying, Dad, don't go. And as I turned around with tears in his eyes, he said, Dad, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Will you help me? Will you help me? And I think that there are kids that are crying out saying that very thing. Will you help me? And we want to be there for you. We want to help you. Work through those issues in your life. And if that's you, I encourage you, be honest with your parents. Talk with them. Be honest with those adults who know you and who are loving in their relationship toward you where you can share what's going on in your life and we can pray for you, we can help you work through those things. But I would also say it to you as adults, are you being honest with your spouse? I mean, if there are things that you're keeping secret or hiding that need to come out in the light, bring it into the light and be honest with one another. Don't let Satan win. It's the light that makes everything visible. And that is why, and it's interesting, Paul quotes what we believe is an early Christian hymn. It's based on Scripture, but it's not a direct quote of Scripture but it says this, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That even in the church, there were some who were slumbering, if you will. There were some who were not mindful or watchful, and he's saying, wake up, rise from the dead, come to life, be born again, and Christ will shine on you. That's what we need more than anything else. In his commentary on Ephesians, Pastor Kent Hughes shared this story. He said there was a man who was returning from a journey and he had bought his wife a matchbox that would glow in the dark. And he had it wrapped, you know, in gift wrapped and he brought it back to her. And uh, when she opened it, uh, she looked at it and she saw what it was and then she turned out the light. But the matchbox didn't glow in the dark. 
They both thought they had been cheated in some way, and then the wife noticed that there was an inscription on it. There were some words written in French on the bottom. She actually had to have a friend translate them, and what she found out was this. It said, if you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. And here this gift had been wrapped in that box and dark for so long that it wouldn't shine in the light. You know what? We need that too. We need to spend time alone with Jesus in his word, in prayer. We need to let the light of Christ so shine on us that his imprint is left on us in our character, our words, our actions. If you want to shine in the night, keep in the light of Christ. We are to walk in the light of his word daily. We are to find out what pleases the Lord and then do it. We are to have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Turn away from them. And instead, we are to follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, the first thing I think of is, oh, how you love us. How much you care for us, that you would send your son Jesus to die for us. And he is our example. He's the one that we are to follow in all things. And I thank you, too, that you've not left us alone, but you've given us brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow believers who know you and love you, to be that example and encouragement for us. And I pray that we would be honest with you, that where there is sin in our life, we would admit it and turn from it. If we are struggling with things like depression or addictions or sin in our life that keeps tripping us up, that we'd be honest and talk with someone who can help us. Lord, help us to walk in the light with you each and every day. Amen. Well, today we don't have a closing song, so I'll ask you to stand as uh, read this benediction from the scripture and then we'll be dismissed. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>